One Emotional Podcast, Conversations for Inspiration on the Go. We offer on-the-go inspiration because our whole heart is set on beauty and our best bets are set on art. Hi, Daniela. <laughs> Welcome to Luan Emotional Podcast. Hi, Marion. Thank you. What a treat. <laughs> no, it's our pleasure to have you here. You know that you are very close to our heart here in Luan. And, um, and it's a pleasure to have you here in this episode of this new Luan podcast. So uh, we're going to start with, uh, with a short introduction so people can get to know more about you. Daniela is an amazing creative person. She's a musician. She's a public speaker, a concept developer with over more than 15 years of experience delivering content through television, radio, press, and now music. Her expertise resides in the use of language and how creatively we can use language for our careers and our everyday life. For a decade, she was a digital literacy advocate through, the, through her journalistic work at Televisa, where she anchored for the Luan's networks, for the network's main TV sh news shows, reaching millions internationally. She became a seasoned interviewer, digging the minds of tech giants and conveying the message on international television. Her main strength is conveying complex concepts in a very simple and eloquent manner. At the beginning of the digital boom, she created a digital agency to help big brands join the conversation by designing their strategy and delivering content. After becoming a mother, Daniela was drawn to introspection. Her writing evolved into music where she found an open space for expression. We're going to dig into that in a bit. So one of the things that fascinates me the most about you is that you advocate for the artists within all of us. How can we nurture and bring forward our inner artists? Well, Marion, I think that's one thing we have in common. You know, we have more things in common, but that's one big thing we have in common. So we understand, for example, that we have to sweat mm -hmm. to have a healthy skin. And we understand that we have to keep hydrated with water so that we have a healthy body. We know we have to sleep. We know we have to have sex. We know a lot of stuff about the things we need. But we have never understood, I think, as, as a collective, that art is a necessity as well. It is not a luxury set apart for those artistic uh, icons that we deem gods. It is a natural expression of every human. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is to acknowledge artistic expression like a human need, a basic human need, because sometimes we have something we have to express, and if we don't know this, then it becomes like a wound, like, a, like an angst, like a... Something inside of us. So it's as important to sweat as it is to express your art. Is this was this your question? <laughs> Did I respond your question? No, yeah. I think eventually with this, you know, innate expression, in this innate artistic expression that we have, and we ha we we need to have the responsibility to nurture it constantly, right? Um, if you visit, I don't know, many psych psychologists or psychotherapists, right? Most of them, if they're treating any kind of anxiety or any kind of depression, most of them that actually tell you or recommend you either to go out in nature and connect or actually to use art, right? As a tool 
you know, to express and to um, kind of like be in touch with yourself, right? I absolutely. I love the way you said it. Be in touch with yourself, caressing yourself, knowing yourself. There's also something you said that's, I think, very important, which is the confidence. Mm -hmm. So the confidence behind creation is no small pickle. It's, it's like basically the first step into it. And I think it's all about prioritizing your relationship with your work before the relationship of your work with others. Mm -hmm. So understanding that the important thing that's happening when you are creating or you are absorbing art, because it's almost like the same thing. When, when you're in that state of artistic creation, the important thing is your relationship with what's happening in that moment. Mm -hmm. When I start to question if somebody else is going to like my song or are people going to understand it or is this going to seem weird, then it's when like energy fragments and you lose your flow and you start creating something else. The key, I think, for artistic health is authenticity. Of course. Authenticity. And also, I think it's having a good relationship with your inner critic, right? How many amazing <laughs> works of art might have been destroyed because of an inner critic, right? If you start writing your songs or if someone starts, you know, drawing or painting something or dancing, you know, some emotions or some, you know, um, any form of artistic art, eventually we have our inner critic over there saying, oh my God, this is terrible. You shouldn't be even doing this. This is You're ridiculous. Exactly. <laughs> Tell us, how do you manage the relationship with your inner critic? This is very interesting how you place the question. So you're saying that the relationship is an obligated one. I mean, the inner critic is going to exist. It's not a fact of, it's not a matter if I'm going to have an inner critic or not. It's a matter that I'm going to have an inner critic. Yes. How am I going to deal with this? So I think do you think we, we have to have an inner critic, right? Yes. I think that most of the time um, we have that inner critic. It's, it's kind of like that voice inside of our heads. I remember this book from uh, Michael Singer called The Untethered Soul that he talks about his um, inner voice that we have inside of our heads, kind of like if, if, if we were living with a roommate. And this roommate never stops talking. So if we can differentiate this roommate from ourselves. Eventually we are able to go and create, right? But there's always this voice inside our heads. Sometimes we're not that mindful and sometimes we don't even hear it. Well, we don't even know that it's a voice because we're we think so it's us. In it. Exactly. We think it's us and we're so immersed. Wow. So there was this artist that I found on YouTube that uh, what he did is he took all those inner voices and he gave them names and personas and he drew them. And so he began to create from them. I don't, I can't say that I've gone that far. Maybe in psychotherapy I have, but in my artistic expression, what I do is instead of, of opposing myself to my inner critic, I speak from my inner critic. Mm -hmm. So for example, if I, my inner critic makes me feel guilty, no, it makes me feel guilty. It doesn't only make me feel guilty in my art form. It makes me feel guilty in my life because we are the instrument. So whatever, like in yoga, whatever you do in yoga, you do in life, whatever you do in art, you do in life, right? So if I abort, if I look at my inner critic that's, that's talking about guilt, then that's my inner critic's wound. And when I voice it, I, come out, I do two things. One, I accompany my inner critic mm -hmm. and it makes me feel like my inner critic is a little tiny little thing that needs a hug instead of this gigantic enormous ocean of stuff 
And the other is I connect with other people from that same place and they think, ah, so this is not me. This is that voice. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's, it's a great tool if we turn it around. It's amazing how you expressed about having this uh, inner critic that, that's constantly telling you about guilt, right? Have you identified other voices inside your inner critic uh, beyond guilt? Oh, I have so many. Like, <laughs> for example, not, you're not good enough. There's something wrong with you. You're too weird. Um, you're too weird, I think, is one of my, my main ones. And the other one is you're kidding yourself. So I've developed a lot of my intellect to understanding how creation works in general, like how to create my life. No? So when I think of a project, uh, it usually happens because I put a lot of my um, juju <laughs> into it. And sometimes my creation overwhelms or oversteps or overrides my capacity to deliver, right? Mm -hmm. So I remember this one time that I was in the Castillo de Chapultepec, this iconic, the only called the castle in America, Latin America. And I was about to sing live to, I don't know, three, 300 people. Uh -huh. And I thought to myself, I mean, you're kidding yourself. You're absolutely kidding yourself. Like you're a great salesman, but this is not true. And I think that is one of the most debilitating ones. That's why creative confidence is so, it's such a pinnacle. Of course. And actually it makes a whole difference. The other day I was having this conversation about how in every comic, in every cartoon, in every movie that we've seen of superheroes, right? Eventually, mm -hmm. we never see the behind the scenes of what's happening in his or hers mind, right? Of the, mm -hmm. of, of the superhero. We're used to seeing, you know, Spider-Man going out there and saving the world, right? But the other day we did an exercise, um, like imagining, right, that there's this amazing superhero that um, is called, right, to save a falling bridge that has, you know, a lot of cars and trains going over it. And the superhero, you know, goes running, right, arrives to the bridge, starts doing what she needs to do, you know, to save the bridge. And <laughs> she thinks, oh my God, I cannot do this. I'm not worthy. <laughs> I'm not worthy. I don't deserve this. And then she steps down. You know, and obviously we've never seen that. You no, know, every every Batman movie, every every movie that we've seen, we never see the voice inside the superhero's head, right? Wow, Marion, you know what they say that the only enemy is the eternal one. So the only enemy is with what is 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 you know it's it's this it's this is the part, and I love the the paragon you do with superhero. Heroes, because imagine being Cyclops, you know, Cyclops, he's the one that has lasers coming out of his eyes. So imagine being Cyclops and you're the 16 year old dude. And then suddenly lasers start coming out of your eyes. You probably killed like your mom, you know, your girlfriend, you became, you know, the, 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 the uh, you had to escape from your town. And this is somehow like I envision artistic awakening. I think of, for example, Freddie Mercury. And I think, do you imagine what? Bohemian Rhapsody feels like inside the body. It must be hell. Like it must be hell. It's so much that it's held inside of you that if you don't create it, it kills you. Even if you create it, it kind of kills you, but it kills you less. <laughs> of course, there are many of these emotions that we feel the urge to, you know, let them come out. And actually they're the seeds and the, and the fertile ground to create a masterpiece. 
right? Exactly. And you know what? That in the masterpiece, there is no moral ground. Mm-hmm. And in our life, there is. So depending on your gender, your society, the year you were born in, that la, 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 if emotions are allowed or not. Mm-hmm. But in an art world, emotions are the, you know, the, 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 the pee of the pie. They're the, they're the most important thing and they are beyond moral. So you can express, like, imagine being able to be a killer, for example, if you're an actor. The kind of emotions you can, you would never be able to live that in your constricted life and you wouldn't even want to. But you know what I mean? It's a place where you can explore your humanness as a playground completely safe. Mm-hmm. Completely safe. I totally agree with you. And I would like to, you know, pinpoint um, about what you mentioned about creative confidence, because at the end, it's kind of like the building block that we have for any creation that we've that we've done and for every new creation that we will do. Right. Um, there, there was reading this book by Jim Quick called Limitless, and he mm-hmm. said, um, if you If you want to increase your self-esteem overnight, just literally think about the amazing machine that you inhabit every day of your life. All of the amount of processes that your cells are doing every millisecond from digestion, right? The enzymes from everything that's happening in your lungs, you know, interchanging, you know, oxygen by carbon dioxide, right? And uh, when we sleep, for example, all of the repairing process that's taking care on ourselves, we live in one of the most sophisticated bodies that we know so far, right? In the, as far as we know, you know, life outside of Earth, right? And we constantly, one of the things that I've seen that we stumble the most on is confidence. That's so interesting. And it is also, I think confidence, it's also related with mistrust. Mm -hmm. So for example, you're young, you expose yourself and you sing and somebody turns around and says, you sing horribly. And so your little child man is shattered and then you go through in life believing you're a terrible singer. And yet you're, soul yearns to sing right and you are afraid of what other people might think so you think so you can like cross yourself down i think there is two types of confidence first is the confidence when you decide you are a creator Mm -hmm. when you accept you are a creator because everybody is a creator it's our natural state of being we are creating whether we know it or not it's it doesn't matter so once you acknowledge yourself as a creator as a creator of art as an artist the whole the thing is the same thing then there comes a different um confidence in the in your you know the the piece you make the the thing you have the, 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 the. but when you when you want to say when you want to realize that you are a creator i think the the most important thing is understanding what being an artist means to you because maybe you're confused yeah Maybe you think that an artist is the person who gets clapped at. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you think that an artist is someone famous. Or maybe you think that an artist is someone dead. No, but the truth is an artist is any human being who is available and willing to stand by their will, mm-hmm. whatever, wherever that will take them. Of course, and we need to re- re- redefine what success means to us, because fortunately, everybody has different meanings of, of success, right? For some, it could be money. For others, it could be kind of like public recognition. For others, it could be to appear in X, Y, and Z magazines, right? 
<laughs> and we all need kind of like to take the time to get to know what it is in our subconscious that we define as success. And also, if we keep on stumbling in life with things that are not in our kind of like constructed, you know, belief system about success, eventually be mindful about what meaning we're giving to that. I remember this quote by Richard Branson that he said, you know, all babies start falling down and falling down and falling down constantly. That's how we all learned to walk, right? And none yeah. of them stay there, kind of like, oh, no, I'm a failure. I've fallen down 10,000 times and I still can't walk. And so then I'm done. I'm never going to walk anymore in my life, right? We all end up, you know, walking, right? So it's kind of like, what are the, the meaning that we give to every time we fail? Yes. And how uncomfortable we are to the emotion. Because, for example, if I were to set myself in the precept that my song is successful, if a lot of people listen to it, then my success and my intimate emotional encounter, almost as intimate as your sex life, I give it away to, to, to somebody else's opinion who maybe I don't even respect their opinion. Like, I don't even care what they think, you know? So imagine that it's like, it's almost like a kind of like an un, unwilling prostitution. On the other hand, if I decide that the success of my song depends on how much better I feel about the emotion I was transferring, then the success starts and ends with me. Mm -hmm. And whatever may happen afterwards, and then life is funny that way, because when you please yourself, then life begins to please you back. But if your only aim as an artist is to, what is the only thing that all the best artists in the world have? And when I say all the best artists, I mean the most authentic artists in the world. I don't mean the most recognized or the best thing. I mean the most authentic artists in the world. The thing they have in common is that they only want to please themselves. Mm -hmm. And there is nothing more delicious and attractive than being near someone who is always pleasing themselves. Mm -hmm. It's the opposite of a people pleaser mm -hmm. because all of their energy is inside of them. And so you, you, you become like a there's a gravitational pull and there's a completeness and there's a I don't want anything from you because I'm already giving it all to me, you know? Yes, 100%. And coming to this, how, how do you please yourself? said specifically through music is it tell us about um kind of like your creative process that you use when you're creating your music wow how do i please myself that's like one of the best questions i've ever received um so uh there's maybe i could say there's two roads there's the dark road and the light road so the dark road is i please myself through the alleviation of my suffering so if there's I, i've become very acquainted with a peaceful mind so whenever there is a little, little bit of mm, i feel it like that and i have very little tolerance for stupidity in my own thoughts you know for destructive thoughts i have very low tolerance so the way i uh, i pleasure myself i give to myself is that i do not force myself to do anything unless I feel completely free in what I'm doing. And if I need to attend to what I'm feeling, I don't care. I don't care if I'm late. I don't care if they get upset. I don't care if I miss the party. I don't care. First and foremost, I have to stay with this emotion because I've learned that negative emotions are a gift as well. So what I do is I allow myself to feel exactly how I want to feel whenever I feel. Like I do not, if I'm sad, I do not pretend to be happy. 
Mm-hmm. If I'm angry, I do not pretend to be pleased. Like I don't care enough about anyone more than me to transform, you know, to, to, yeah. <laughs> you accept the moment as it is, right? And you yes. have to all of the emotions as they come, right? Mm-hmm. I remember this, um, I don't know if you heard about oneness in India. And they talk no. about something quite interesting that they say that we, we tend to label good emotions and bad emotions, right? And they're just all emotions, just some of them might feel comfortable and others might feel uncomfortable, right? Right. But when we are constantly, when we're feeling, you know, good emotions no, or pleasurable yeah. emotions, we want to retain them, retain them and retain that feeling, right? Not wanting it to be over. And we create tension inside our emotional body. You know? And when we feel uncomfortable emotions, we reject them and we create tension inside our body. So constantly, we continue doing that. We are constantly creating tension inside our body by rejecting and retaining different emotions. If we just let ourselves feel it and sink in with the emotions, but the oneness you know, theory or ideology says is that the emotional body has the ability to resolve itself. So if you're feeling an uncomfortable emotion and you sit it and you you sit with it, you feel it, you know, with no filters, no anything, it's not gonna last much in your emotional body. Eventually it's going to integrate and it's going to fade away. And the same thing is going to happen when you feel, you know, comfortable emotions such as happiness, right? You feel it and yeah. It's kind of like volatile and it comes and goes and we need to be comfortable with that constant change. Absolutely. And you know what? I know, like the ocean cannot lose itself to a wave. Mm-hmm. It's not possible. So we cannot lose ourselves to an emotion or identify to an emotion. Like we are deeper than that. We are the bigger experience. We are the thing that is experiencing the emotion. Mm-hmm. So like we are the crystal that is fragmenting the light. We are the intelligence behind it. We are not, we're not even how we behave during the emotion. Like it's not even relevant, you know? And this is a wonderful thing about art. Art takes away so much of the weight of life. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, art, and so it has the magnificent way to be the most profound expression. And at the same time, it never takes life seriously. Mm-hmm. It takes itself seriously. It never takes life seriously. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that a hundred percent. And talking about these emotions that you were telling us about, right? Um, is there anything that you feel that you can't hide anymore? Is there anything waiting anxiously to come out? Ay, Marion, <laughs> tremenda Marion. Well, see, I am sure. There are a lot of things, but I also think there are things that keep on changing. So, for example, eh, if I want to share, o sea, do you mean what do I want to share in this moment, like precisely, or do I want the habit of expressing whatever I want whenever I want? Both. Okay. What I want to express right now, I don't know. I don't think I'm ready to respond to it's that complete. question. But maybe if you give me like a week, I could submit something. <laughs> I could prepare something and express myself. And as a regular, like as a, as a regular habit showing my fire, here's uh, some thoughts on that. So first I found that it makes me sometimes uncomfortable to make other people uncomfortable. I don't know if this happens to you. You know, this cliche, you shine brightly. They have to wear their 
sunglasses, 100%. a little bit this without the mamoneria, without the hierarchical touch, you know. But sometimes I do feel that maybe if I express, if I show myself too much, others will be thrown off, and that maybe stops me sometimes, you know, being my fool. Maybe I am so much more eccentric than I let people see. I I, I act more human than I am. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe I am ready to, to, to not do it anymore. Maybe that's why I'm going to do my piece. I'm going to prepare for you. How about you, Marion? Do you show your fire? Yes, I think um, I've come a long way on understanding and getting to know first my fire. And then I think, you know, something that has happened to me in my journey is that um, I can feel other people's needs and desires, you know, easily. And there's this amazing author called Susana Valan that she pinpoints this very well. She says that being gifted in empathy, right? It has of mm. course, a lot of virtues and of course, other, a lot of obstacles. No? And, uh, and one of the obstacles is that um, you confuse your needs and wants with other people's needs and wants. Right. Mm. So when I was younger, I kind of like felt that I could be, I felt interest and I felt that I could be, let's say, an economist. And I felt that I could be a designer and I felt that I could be, you know, a psychologist. You know what I mean? Because I had many topics around me, you know, the needs and wants from other people around me that I actually, mm. it was very confusing for me to decide. Right. So after different kind of like internal processes, I came first to identify and understand what's my fire, no? which I think that was a big step for me. Wow. Yes. And then after that, once that I could, you know, identify it, then it's kind of like this feeling of, you know, metaphorically of coming out of the closet. No? Yes. And one of the things that I think scares me the most is if I come out of the closet and pinpointing what you just said, if I shine bright, then other people might resent me or might hate me or might yeah. feel uncomfortable by me coming out, right? Yeah. And, um, and I went to this kind of like internal kind of like healing process and I tried to re re reframe it. And I'm exactly right now in that process where I'm reframing it into the sense that if you think about who those people are, for example, if they're either your parents, your grandparents, if they're your peers, if they're brothers or sisters, if they're your kids, right? Uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. In the large scheme of things, let's put an example, if they're your parents, right? In the large scheme of things, if you shine bright, all of your lineage is going to shine bright with you. Yes. You're not going to dim the light for them. Instead, you're going to shine right all of the chain, all of the connection that you have with them. And I found I'm still in the process there. I haven't actually finished, you know, the completion of that process, but I'm getting there. And I felt that if 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 I turn the um, thought on something individualistic, then eventually I feel that if I shine bright, I'm going to put shadow on someone else. If what do you mean individualistic? Like if you understand yourself as separate from the rest? Exactly. And if okay. I and if I connect it collectively, then I know that if I win, others win with me. And the same mm -hmm. thing, it, it, it happens with other people, right? Um, mm. if somebody else, a friend or whoever is having, you know, an amazing success and she's she or he is shining super bright. Eventually, I think that, you know, she's shining with me, right? Yeah. 
And if she's able to do it, I'm able to do it too. So I think it's kind of like changing. Obviously, it's easier said than done, of course. But I completely relate with you to 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 that feeling of um, it's more comfortable to not letting your fire show, right? But eventually, it's kind of like something knocking, right? I can continue having the conversation with you, yes. and I can kind of like numb it and pretend that it's not sounding. But eventually, when you find a quiet place. You see <laughs> that it is really annoying and you need to attend it. And I think that's the moment when eventually we are completely ready to let our fire out. When we wow, Marion, absolutely. And you know what? It's funny because when we finally let our fire, go, like you said, first is recognizing our, our fire because we might be confused that we want to be what we think others want us to be. No, So maybe if I'm this and that, they will love me. Maybe if I'm this and that, I will have blah, blah, blah. Once you recognize your fire, and that goes with the responsibility of giving yourself your own pleasure, no? and saying, I'm doing this because it's what makes me feel the best. I don't know if it's weird. I don't know if it's strange. I don't care. This is what makes me happy. And this is like, it's like if I go with, to a guitar and I say, you know, it's really weird that the C note sounds when I press like this. Well, yeah, but I'm that instrument and that's the way it works. So we're all different. We're all different instruments. So first of all, that, that you said re is the realizing which one is your fire is it's, a, it's like a whole win on its own. And then when you finally show your fire, it's really nice because people that are too uncomfortable with it, it's okay they're not around. Maybe it's not such a bad thing that they're not around. And then someone might be needing you to show this fire. Maybe they, they were what you, what you show, what you convey, it's what they need to feel better in that moment. And since we're all interconnected, you know, we're like the mycelium under the trees. Yeah. So what, what, what is urging to come out from you is urging, is urging to be received by someone else. So art is not only on your highest benefit, it's on everyone's highest benefit. Exactly. And connecting with what you just said is, I think we need to decide there's a point in life where we need to decide either we are faithful to ourselves and that could be unfaithful to people around us or the other way around. If we're going to be faithful to them, whoever they might be, and unfaithful to us. And eventually yes. that internal fire is going to keep on knocking. Have you seen an artist or any person, it could be a public speaker, it could be a dancer, a painter, it could be whoever, pick anyone, um, a, a gymnastic, whoever. Have you seen them when they are in flow, when they are in their fire? Yeah. Eventually, it inspires you. It feels yeah. real, right? You can detect someone really easily when it's kind of like a fake or when it's yes. you know, kind of like in complete flow. And the emotions or the resonance that you get from watching someone like that, I think it's really inspirational because it's, it tells you of someone who is living their light, right? Absolutely. And you know what? I am sorry for that. I am, I am, very, uh, I am a very good dancer and I am a very shameless dancer. So when I go to a dance floor, it is a pleasure because people say to me, when I see you dance, I feel so comfortable that I can dance the same way, like that I can fully be. And so when you show yourself authentically, when this artist, when this gymnast, when this politician, when whoever, well, difficult to find a politician who does it, but whoever, when whoever shows themselves fully, it allows yourself to show yourself fully as well. You know how there's people where it's impossible to have an authentic conversation? Like 
impossible. And then if you don't take the second to go back, if you go back and you persist on your authenticity, then the other person will have to join you. Authenticity is the, is the strongest uh, pull of all, of all expressions. Mm -hmm. So that's why art, art impairs. Mm. <laughs> Woo, art! <laughs> and do you think that authenticity might be related to confidence, to your creative confidence? No, it's exactly the same thing. Because the only way I can be authentic if, is if I trust, the entrada, if I trust in that what I want is what I, what I deserve. Mm. No, and that I am allowed to want what I want. Mm. Because imagine being, no, I don't know, a, a man in somewhere in Latin America in the 1980s and you were gay. Of course, you were not allowed to want that. Right? So it was a few artists that were brave enough to say, I am allowed to want what I want. Mm -hmm. So I think creative confidence starts from that, from saying, whatever I am decide to desire, whatever it is, mm -hmm. is. It's okay. It's my job to get. It's my job to enjoy. Yes. And it's that, that example that you just mentioned, actually, you know, it's a great example of the power of doing things collectively, right? Because mm -hmm. impulse that we've seen, you know, for this artist in the decades, you know, um, that have passed, the uh, feminists, you know, that also went out and, you know, um, demanded for women's rights, no, or for the women to vote and many other things that have, that, you know, the good things that have created that movement, right? I think thanks to them, we are allowed to keep on evolving. And thanks to them, we find a source of inspiration, right? How many artists we've known that they went in complete despair, complete depression, and once they found their song metaphorically, once, once they found the rhythm, eventually their yeah. life had a different meaning. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely agree with you. Yes, yes. And you know what? It is also the, the creative confidence thing is also something uh, of a craft. It is not only um, an ideology or a philosophy. It is also a craft. I mean, it's something we have to learn. There's a lot of, for example, there's a book called The Artist's Way. I think I've mentioned this a lot of times before. And The Artist's Way, what they say is you wake up and you have to write three pages, you know, whatever comes out of you. There's small little things that you can do mm -hmm. that will build on your creative confidence. It's also a muscle. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and these things you can learn, like these things can be taught. And, and learning this can really transform the way you approach yourself. And the way you approach yourself is absolutely everything. And now, if there's a collective uh, invitation to do something, to express something, to show your fire, then it is a lot easier to do it in the sense that we are in it together. And, and it's not that you're not always in it together, but you remind yourself that you're in it together. And you remind yourself that there's always a tribe for you. There's always a bunch of people around the world who are feeling what you are feeling and that would be delighted to offer the space for you to express yourself freely. So it's really powerful to, and it also gives a sense of anonymity. No, you be, you, you, you plug into the archetype, you plug into the energy and you, and, and you unidentify yourself so much with it. Of course. And we're all humans, right? We're all kind of like battling our own, you know, internal battles and we're own kind of like having our own processes. And I think it helps when we are uh, compassionate for ourselves and for other people that everybody's living their own kind of like internal process, no? In some, for some, it might be easier for others, no? Um, 
and we've all been there, you know, we've all been a little bit through shit at some point, right? Emotionally. Well, in the best of cases. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. I have a client that talks about that she, she does uh, biology of auto-compassion. Mm -hmm. And uh, she explains that there's three elements to self-compassion, which is uh, awareness. No, you have to be aware of what you're thinking of, where you are, of what you la la la. Kindness in your words, no? You have to be able to explain to yourself failures without mm. uh, being aggressive with yourself. You know, you're stupid. It always happens to you. That, no, avoiding that kind of talk. And the other thing is a shared humanity. It is understanding that uh, this is it. This is the journey. It's not. There's nothing wrong with you. You shouldn't be always dandy and happy and uh, equanimous. You know, that's that's not even that's not even interesting. And like Oscar Wilde said, it's not about being anything except really, really interesting. Yes, 100%. It's more about being interesting and it's more about um, being able to show up, right? What you mentioned about yes. using a camera and it's also about so the morning pages is about to do something every day. And the more you do it, the more you will gain confidence and the more that you will um, kind of like um get to it right it's not the same time that for example you went on stage for the first time right tell us about how what did you felt the first time that you went on stage and how does it compares to the last times that you were on stage oh my god it's horrible i mean the first times were terrible because i was singing and so i was listening to my voice the instruments and then the critic inside my head that was the loudest part and it said horrible things to me, like horrible, abusive things, like uh, stuff like you're making a fool of yourself. This is terrible. You're taking people's time away. They're just pretending to be here. They already want to go. They don't know how to tell you that this is terrible. Their ears hurt, you know, all this kind of stuff. So I think it took me like five, five concerts to be able to enjoy them. Mm -hmm. I think it wasn't until I had like three full houses and everybody clapping that I started to like, okay, this is okay. This is not so bad. But it was terrible. <laughs> terrible inside your head. Right? Terrible inside, yes, yes. Terrible inside my head. I mean, I... Us, it, it, it was amazing. And it was like, oh, wow, what an amazing performer. What an amazing music. <laughs> it was your internal dialogue that was horrible. It's, yes, yes, exactly. And you know what? Not, also, not only when I go, I was just with my family for Thanksgiving. What does Randa say? You think you're illuminated, go and spend a week with your family. So I went and I spent the week with my family and, and somebody had a guitar and they said, sing, sing. And I said, I really, I can't do it. I can't sing in front of you because all of my voices are you. Are you my No, all of my voices are you guys. So I can't, you know, I can't do it here. It's impossible. I'm trying to get away from you guys. But then at the same time, I realized that, of course, I love them dearly. No, this is, this is, a, this is in, the, in the lightest of characters, but I realized that we are placed in families where our creative confidence needs to develop in order to survive. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the greatest gift. So when I think about my idols, all of them, their families, not, none of them were born in a family like Checo Perez, you know, that said, yes, I oh. will stand behind you. You are perfect. Like even Tiger Woods that had a father like that had a whole creative confidence development issue that then he had to pay off. I mean, nobody can... Fortunately, nobody can escape the path of, of, of developing creative confidence. Now, what you said about showing up is so important because one thing is for me to say, oh, yes, my heart wants to sing and I want to do songs to heal the world. And then another thing is waking up at 8 a.m. and sitting three hours 
you know, hurting my fingers and then practicing my voice and then learning to write music and then going to the studio. That's like that, that's two levels of things going in parallel. So if you can find a way to commit to your creative competence, I mean, you just got to take that because that's the first step to opening a space. And eventually that space will become bigger and bigger. And then you're going to have to get a coach for all the rest of your life because all you will want to do is create. <laughs> of course. And it all starts with mindset, right? How important mindset it is. No? The thing that believes that we think that we're capable of or not actually sets the tone for everything that we do. And we need to revise our internal beliefs of what is it, the mindset that we have. It doesn't matter where it came from. It doesn't matter if it comes from your parents, yeah. from the ambience that you were brought in. It doesn't matter if it's yours, whatever. The important thing is to have the opportunity to revise it and to kind of like double check if it's the right belief system that you truly consciously believe in or is some, you know, internal belief system unconsciously that it's actually driving your life. Wow. And it's wow. kind of those things that we are repeating constantly. For example, um, there's this book that talks about memory. And uh, the book said, like, never, never, never say, like, oh, I'm the typical person that never reminds names and, you know, people's faces, right? And then if you're saying that constantly, then eventually if a person comes to you and say, like, hi, Marion, this is, and you're like, eventually his name or her name is going to be completely erased. Right. And if you are constantly telling to your mind, like, I have a very good retention, I know what happens to me, that I have a very good memory retention, <laughs> eventually you're going to. <laughs> so, this book talks. No, about this is true. Before arriving to superfoods and before arriving to healthy exactly. brain and before arriving to all those biological, you know, things that are true, the book started with mindset for your memory. No, 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 absolutely. And you know what? I don't know where we learned that thoughts are a tool for analysis of the past. Mm -hmm. A tool is a command. Mm -hmm. The same way when you program and you code, when I code a website, I'm not thinking what I don't want. I'm not saying, but why is it that in my last web website, there was a red button? No, that's not what I'm doing. I'm writing what I want the code to have. So somewhere along, I think it's because we try to fit in and we try to belong to a tribe. I mean, Ken Wilber would say that we are stuck in our belonging phase. But if we truly, truly understood that our thoughts are at our command, mm -hmm. then we would only allow ourselves to think things that are in our best benefit. They don't believe because we get lost and we think a belief, we have to evaluate if it's true or not. Yeah. But there is no true belief or false belief. Mm -hmm. A belief is, 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 a, is an, an embroidery pattern. It's a, it's a line note book it's uh it's whatever the you want it to be so yes mindset is for life like if there's one thing you can take from this conversation is that a hundred percent and if you could say you know just before closing if you could say a tip of advice for someone that's you know starting their career for someone that's finding their inner artist What would that advice be? What would you would have liked to receive in advice when you were that age? I would have loved to be told to not be afraid of myself. Mm -hmm. To not be afraid of, of myself and the depths that you could reach and the emotions that you can incarnate. Mm -hmm. Create a self space for yourself. Mm -hmm. Create a self space for yourself. And this can be a time frame. This can be be a, a physical space this can be whatever you want to be and and, and delimit and say from here to here 
craziness is allowed yeah. and be, and begin to explore because there's so many things that you deem crazy and dark and terrible and they're actually beautiful so allow yourself to be magnificently weird and, and and don't be afraid of yourself ever there's nothing wrong with you i mean we are a rock floating in the middle of nowhere on a spiral accelerated in velocity and you plant a seed and an avocado grows if there was one thing out of place this whole thing would collapse so you are not the only thing out of place like you can't be everything is exactly where it's supposed to be mm -hmm. totally beautiful that's a wonderful advice and before we close i want to do this series of uh questions to answer in one or a few words the idea is to have you know something uh short and simple and something you know authentic man for you art Venga. basic human exhalation hmm. your favorite author ayn rand hmm. an advice that changed your life hmm. never give importance to holidays hmm. the best quality in humans authenticity and transparency a book that you recommend Oh, uh, everything. Atlas Shrugged and the Artist's Way. What feeds your soul? Dancing, music. Dancing and music. The most pressing issue for humanity. It could be one of the many. The most pressing issue for society is becoming aware of the illusion. Everything be begins in the mind. If humans can agree on this, you will be very happy. <laughs> that poetry is the highest art form. What would you like to scream <laughs> like that? What would you like to scream to the whole world? I have a lot of sex. You got cut off. What was it? I said have a lot of sex. <laughs> Something you expect the joy in 2022? <laughs> Something I expect with joy in 2022? Yeah, for next year. Hmm. Uh, ah, I don't know. I would have to say same old boring music. More music. Okay. And the last one. What is it that you have lived that no one could miss experiencing it? <sighs> wow. Having a journal. Hmm. Tell us about it. You write every day? Yes, every day. And I mean, it's, it, it's transformed. First, it was just, you know, dear diary today. Jim walked by in math class <laughs> and it evolved into whatever it is I'm writing, an idea I'm having, a, 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 a deep dive into an emotion, something like that. But having a notebook allows me to have a conversation with my favorite person. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so I can go anywhere and I, and, I, and I tend not to feel so out of place or whatever I'm feeling really out of place. I can always return to my notebook and remember that there's a place for me where I'm exactly perfect. Hmm. Amazing, amazing. This is wonderful, Daniela. I think we have so many takeaways that we can take. Uh, we have talking about how 
our emotions are actually a good thing. It could either it could be comfortable or uncomfortable because they're the fertile ground for us to create. Uh, we've also, I uh, love those, you know, talking points that you said about how, you know, we are innate artists. All of us are innate artists and how we're wired for that. It's not that some people are artists and others don't. And eventually the idea is that we all have this creative and expressive, you know, um, energy or intuition that we're waiting to let it out. So I think that our invitation of you and me, the people who are hearing this podcast is to be in touch with your creative um, artist, be in touch with uh, what you want to express and go with all your heart and show your fire because your light was meant and designed specifically for you to share it with the world. Um, yes, show your fire, absolutely. Show your fire. Yeah. We all deserve it, including yeah. you. <laughs> and the world deserves it. Exactly. Deserves it. Imagine having a world where everybody's showing their light and showing their fire. The age of Aquarius, it's here, it's time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you so much, Daniela. It was mm, gracias, Marion. Gracias, gracias. My pleasure. Want to keep the conversation going? Luan, the world's first emotional museum, designed a global online experience to inspire and explore. Follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Telegram, and visit our site at luanmuseum.com to engage creatively.